Live from New York, it's Ask an Engineer. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Ask an Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada the Engineer, with me, Mr. Lady Ada on camera control, broadcasting live from downtown Manhattan. That's where we have the Adafruit factory, which we saw some stencils from. We do our uh, kitting, soldering, coating, manufacturing, shipping, storing, and all that only a few blocks uh, downtown. And uh, now we've got our live show. Next 50 minutes or so, we're going to be chatting yeah. about the world of making electronics yeah. and more going on off with a discount code and more tell them what's on tonight's show uh tonight's show the code is channel 10 percent off a native restore all the way up to 11 59 p.m use it or lose it it's for anything that's in stock it does not cover anything like a raspberry pi i'll talk about that in a minute we do a bunch of live shows uh we'll talk about some of our live shows including the show and tell that we just did moments ago we also do Desk of Lady Ada, including the great search. There's JP's product pick of the week. We'll have a highlight from that. In addition to some cool previews of what's going to be on JP's show tomorrow. Time travel, we'll look around the world, makers, hackers, artists, engineers, including some upcoming holidays that's going on, some footage that Aaron shot from Maker Fair Bay Area that's just restarted, and a whole lot more. We're going to do some factory footage made here in New York City. We're going to do some 3D printing. We're going to do some Ion MPI brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. Thank you, DigiKey. This week it's Pick, switching the smart way. New products, questions. And then this week we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to have a interview. Uh, we've used to have interviews when there was like more in-person stuff going on, but we're starting it up again. We have an interview with Lady Ada and Eli Hughes from NXP talking about this new beefy chip that we had a board for. Um, so we interviewed Eli. We're going to do it at the end. The interview is about 17 minutes long, so we want to get through the whole show and then play that. But we'll be doing that. You can post up your questions on Discord, adafruit.it-discord, where we'll get to all of them towards the end of the show and then play the interview. All that and more on, you guessed it, Ask an Engineer. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Okay. Well. Um, it's a packed show. Yeah, I'm going to um, ask you, Lady Ada, so people can do a discount code, of course, but... Oh. Um, there's also free stuff. Then I'm going to talk about something important okay. in a moment. Don't go anywhere. All right. Free stuff. You order from adafruit.com. We will give you free things when you put enough money in your cart and check out $99 or more. You get this beautiful, uh, gold and Adafruit black, um, PCB coaster with nice extra thick PCB and four bumpers. It's a uh, beautiful. I use mine every day. It's uh, very easy to clean too. Uh, that's you get that $99 or more. And then if you order 149 or more, we'll give you a KB2040 Pro Micro Pinout microcontroller board that uh, has an RP2040 chip on it with eight megs of flash, USB C, a fuse, a NeoPixel, STEMI QT port, and a button or two. Uh, it's just a great little microcontroller to get going with RP2040, CircuitPython, or Arduino. We have free UPS ground shipping when you order $199 or more. Uh, it's trackable, it's insured, it's brown, it's unionized, it's UPS. And $2.99 or more, we still have some Circuit Playground Expresses. You know, I remember back when we didn't have these because there was a chip shortage. But now it's kind of over, and we have these again. So we're going to give them away when you order $2.99 or more. It's our favorite all-in-one round microcontroller board, LEDs and buttons and sensors and more. Great way to learn programming. Okay, so um, last week we did something kind of special. We put Raspberry Pi 5, four gigabytes in the store, and we let everyone know who's watching live. We said, hey, we're about to do this. Log into your account. Make sure you have two-factor authentication. That's why we have that. 
on our um, live show. We mentioned it and we um, said, you know, that's important because that's how we do Raspberry Pi stuff. You have to have two-factor authentication, cuts down on the bots and just kind of some of the crummy things that were going on. And once you have that, um, we'll put our pies in and then you'll be able to purchase them. So for the live viewers right now, good, we could do that again. So good news um, at the end of show and tell, I mentioned this, but I'll mention this now. Um, it's a good idea to log into your Adafruit account right now. Make sure you have two-factor authentication. You probably already do. And we're about to put in Raspberry Pi 5, 8 gigabytes. There's limit one per customer. There's no discounts. Um, one of the things that's going on right now is there was pre-orders for some of these, but there wasn't enough for the pre-orders. They're already on back order. No one get these. So we said, well, what can we do? Um, and I think someone last week kind of summarized it. They're like, oh, you kind of did like a, a fan sale for, for folks um, to get tickets to like a concert. It was, it was special for, for people who are watching the live shows. Hey, Tay Tay, this is how you do it. <laughs> and they were able to um, get, get a Raspberry Pi because um, they watch live. So, um, you know, if you don't have a Raspberry Pi and you're thinking, of course, just don't buy one because, you know, it's they're hard to get. If there's other people who need them. But um, this is the first round of Raspberry Pi 5 gigabytes that went out. And um, we'll um, we'll keep trying to figure out creative ways because there's only a few. And uh, go ahead and log in right, right now. Says not all bots are bad. Yeah, not all bots are bad. Some um, bots are good. Yeah. Um, okay. But uh, log into your account now. Make sure you're, you know, you're you're logged in with two-factor authentication. And Lady Ada, uh, you want to go? Time. Okay, I'm going to go disappear. Yeah, you're going to go put those in. I'm going to disappear us. So while you're doing this, beep beep beep. Lady Ada is going to. I'm going to. I'm going to do. I'm going to. Yeah. I'm going to do the play-by-play -play as I get our uh, website uh, set up here, so you can start to see. Um, Check it. Uh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I have to uh, get the browser fired up. Yeah. And get everything set up on my side where folks yeah. see the Raspberry Pi. Yeah. I'm going to hit refresh. Yeah. Uh, it's in stock. There's, there's, there's well over a hundred because it just says in stock. And I'm going to put this browser back on. I'm going to. Uh, Okay. There. And as you can see, hey, we're back. We're back. As you can see. I went into my secret undisclosed location. As you can see, as... it's in stock. Behind. Wait, you have to. Yeah, there you go. It's in stock. I'll disappear. Sorry, it's like, yeah. It's in stock. And you can, let's see. They're still in stock. Still in stock. <laughs> they didn't evaporate instantly. So this is what we're doing. Um, we'll, um, we'll keep trying to think of fun, creative ways to uh, handle the demand. And also do something special for the the folks who watch live. Okay, so we'll sure see if our pilot better tweeting that. Oh yeah, usually does. Um, there's there's um. Then it, then it's Twitter, formerly known as X. Yeah, they just. They just or sorry, X, formerly known as Twitter, passed. um, keeps an eye on all the Raspberry Pi stock locations, and uh, will exit out, tweet it out. Yeah. So uh, that's probably happening now. Okay. So this is on, and let's resume our normal programming. We'll keep an eye on how many we have. Um, some customers uh, are alerted um, because that's how we do it. They have a sign up, uh, and we'll see how it goes. Okay. All right, let's continue on our show. We do a bunch of live shows. 
We just did show and tell. Um, for show and tell this week, we had a few things going on. Uh, Jay from Digikey stopped by, just got back from Maker Fair. Also a good bot. Um, yeah. Uh, Rome and also is heading off to Supercon. That's the Hackaday conference and event. Um, showed off the robot, some of the things that Jay's working on. Uh, Scott had this cool like memory defrag thing that he was doing kind of live. It was like a live deep dive show and tell. That was kind of cool. Um, it has tuples and more. If you like well, just, the innards of, of memory management and more inside of CircuitPython. Some fun experiments. Because I was like, ooh, is it, you know, we, we tried to, you know, he set up a thing that didn't really broke it. And then we're like, well, how could you fix it? Yeah. Okay. So we also have... Um, Scott, sorry, Scott was on, uh, Liz was on with um, Mars Clock, really neat clock that has some sort of trigonometry and more. Um, JP had this really neat um, Pokemon Pokeball thing I'm that kidding. did this little uh, little twirly thing. You got to see it. It's a Pico project with a, with a Raspberry Pi Pico and uh, some clever uh, jumper wiring to make a, a, a switch. Uh, do this little twirly action with a character on the screen and you can do more with it egg hunting or yeah something. david stopped by uh had some teddy ruxpin hacking modding and more the really cool uh kind of carrying on the project we did some uh, mods and hacks for this uh teddy ruxpin voice thing and then also some eyeballs uh dj devin stopped by with a really cool halloween mask uh i was really uh interested in the hair that had and then uh delta came by with a truck simulator like uh TV radio. TV radio thing that was really yeah. neat um i thought that was really cool um all good projects uh really fun delji's posting up that project and more soon so you can make it but uh, do check it out there's like an entire community of people who kind of remake the simulations of uh, the simulation software and then you can have some fun hardware stuff so do check that out um show and tells every wednesday 7 30 p.m eastern time next week is Liz. come on by and show and share your projects um we do Desk of Lady Ada every single Sunday, Hacker O'Clock. It's a little random. It's kind of whatever's going on Lady Ada's desk. What did you show off this week? Uh, I got some screen samples. I showed off of that and some eyeball code I'm working on. Um, I, one of the things that got me, you know, kind of intersected my week was ESP uh, Espressif released a new board support package. Uh, they're now up to 3.00 alpha 2 or RC1. I don't know, remember exactly what. Um, and our continuous integration, which I talked about a little bit, automatically uses the latest development release. So, you know, most people aren't going to have version 3 unless they're purposefully trying to install um, the latest version. 3 breaks a lot of stuff, uh, including NeoPixel. So, you know, that was the most important thing for me to fix immediately. So I fixed it um just on the fly but um you know there's gonna be a lot of issues as esp3 comes out and uh has changed a lot of a lot of apis for hardware um you know just like the you know bookworm raspberry pi 5 stuff came out and and has changed a lot of apis for hardware on the pi esp32 is going through changes as well so just chat about that and give some people a heads up um i'm seeing a couple uh you know customers have already um uh, you know, let me know like, oh yeah, this didn't work and that didn't work. So we're, we're going to go through and try to fix everything. Yep. And we also do from Disc of Lady Ada, where in the world is that part that you need? This is the great search brought to you by DigiKey and Ada Fruit. Lady Ada uses her powers of engineering to help you find the stuff on digikey.com. What did you try to find this week? This week, um, I saw on social media, somebody posted a, a cool, um, a dome, metal dome, key switch uh kit 
And I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. And I found that you can actually get the, that kit through DigiKey for free. Um, you just have to sign up. Uh, you have to give up your email address and your address, of course, and they'll send you one. Um, but also just talking about uh, metal clicky dome switches in general. There's ones apparently that have two levels of clickiness. Like you can have like soft and hard click. Um, and there's also ones that allow an LED to shine through the back. So um, you know, it wasn't looking for a specific thing, but uh, more searching around um, a topic um, available um, on DigiKey. So uh, check it out if you're interested in ever using these very low cost, low profile, uh, pick and placeable metal dome switches. Okay, and I'm going to go over to the Raspberry Pi page right now before we go on another thing. Oh, 90. 90 in stock. So that went really fast. Uh, Much faster than the... Yeah. I think people kind of were maybe expecting. Yeah, it. so you can see here, there is 90, 90 in stock. Yes, if you so. want one, this is... And this will be it, um, it, probably for a while. Um, one of the things that I saw on the internets was there was, you know, small amounts to went to some of the resellers and they were already pre-ordered. So folks are like, I'm a little disappointed, you know, mine is not shipping yet. So there's no way to satisfy the demand for all of them at the same time. So we thought, well, what can we do that's special, unique, interesting for our community that watches live? Because it's probably that's the most we could probably do anyways for a while. Yeah, I mean, we have so many signups and so few boards that it, like, yeah, there's, there's so we no, got to figure out something. Yeah, you're not going to um, be. And, you know, we were debating like, well, should we do pre-orders? But then folks just get different accounts and they pre-order and then they get them and they resell them. So it's like, well, let's just have the serendipity of time and and folks that watch shows. So it is a way to do it. Um, the folks really liked it last week. So we talked to our team and they're like, yeah, that was easy and fun. So let's keep doing it. So uh, we're up to 90. Okay, let's continue on. Um, JP's product pick of the week is every single week. JP highlights something from the Adafruit product page. It's discount automatically applied. Here is this week's highlight. It is the 2.8 inch TFT Touch Shield version two with resistive touch. As I touch the screen, we're registering X and Y coordinates. And that final number there is the pressure. This is being used uh, as a sort of slideshow display. The touch screen is just being used as sort of two directions. So if I touch over here on the right, we're gonna go to the next image. If I touch on the left side of the screen, we'll go back. So this is a really simple primitive use of the touch screen. You can use something like a user interface that has some big buttons on it, maybe four buttons, five buttons on it uh, that are big touch areas, and that'll work great. That right there is my product pick of the week this week. It is the 2.8 inch TFT Touch Shield version two with resistive touch screen for Arduino and Metro shaped boards. Whew. Okay, and then on Thursdays, there is JP's workshop. And uh, here's a little bit of a preview. This is a uh, power washer. Simply point and shoot with the custom power wash simulator controller in order to play the game. And you can do things like flick the gun to change nozzles out, press the C button on the Wii Chuck in order to change the nozzle angle, and use the thumbstick to move around inside of the game. Now, if you get off your mark, you'll see that we need to recalibrate or readjust the offsets for the user. In this case, we're pointed way off the screen. So what we'll do is point right at the center of the screen again, hold the Wii Chuck up and press C, and now we have adjusted the target angle. You can also do things like roll the Wii Chuck 
to the right in order to change stance from standing to crouching to prone, or roll the Wii Chuck to the left in order to jump. And there are also a couple of other special modes. If you pitch the Wii Chuck down, you'll turn on the dirt map, and you can also press C in order to change the camera control. Okay, so all that on more GP's show tomorrow. Uh, Deep Dive is with Tim for the next couple of weeks, Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern. Let's uh, do a little bit of time travel. Okay, time traveling this week. Let's uh, first look at our Raspberry Pi page. There is 63 left in stock. So uh, it's like QVC. It, you know what? It's, this is like QVC for electronics. You know, Q, I, do people still know what QVC is? I guess different generations of it is. It's like this zirconium. This zirconium you know, Raspberry Pi. Wasn't QVC. Yeah, well, you know what? It was like so it, shiny. It fulfilled. You know, this is Adafruit that we do like a live show with products that people. Been the only kid who like. I mean, it's just like. At one time we had Collins when we were doing. Um, we had a payphone right behind us. Yeah. Um, that was kind of fun. Anyways. Um, just had this hand. They're like. They're like. Ooh, look at the jewelry. Yeah. Like, Ooh, shimmery. Like, so like things that are going on right now. Um, I wanted to call attention to it's Native American Heritage Month. We have a series of blog posts and more. Um, let me go to our website. You could check that out. Um, whatever's going on, this is American Indian and Alaska Native Heritage Month 2023. See the post and more. Um, you can also check out resources uh, that we've collected. Our team will be sharing blog posts. And it's just like every, every month has something to celebrate, someone to celebrate. So do check that out. And speaking of, um, we have some shipping news. Um, so Tuesday of next week is November 7th, and everyone at Adafruit is voting. We, yeah, we all the shipping information you can you could check out. This is just because uh, it's a day off. And you're probably saying, wait a second. How is it a day off? So companies should and usually are required <laughs> to give their um, employees time off to go vote. Uh, but it's usually not enough time and there's just a lot of complications with it and voting isn't on a weekend or um, sometimes the polls aren't open and it's not convenient. So one of the things that um, people said was some countries have a day off for voting or it's a time when everyone can go do it. It doesn't seem like that's going to happen in the U.S. anytime soon. So years ago, we decided to make a voting day, a paid day off at Adafruit. Our team can use it to float holiday. They can use it. Um, we uh, thought it would be good just to set a good example. Like maybe it can be contagious where other companies will do a paid day off for voting. doesn't matter who you vote for. It's good to participate. Obviously, next year is going to even be um, more <laughs> more emphasis on, on getting out the vote. Um, but we've been doing this every year and, and other maker companies, electronics companies have been doing it. And so that was one of our goals. So if you're looking to purchase something, just know that there's times when there's a holiday, we put a banner on our website. It might not ship out the same day. It might ship out the next business day. Veterans Day is also that same week on that Friday. We'll get the word out about that next week. But also know that's a paid day off for our team as well. So you might not see a package. So next week's a big week for um, uh, maybe not getting your package shipped <laughs> same time. There's two days. There's Tuesday and Friday. So just heads up. Um, and then next up in our time travel adventures, Aaron was at Maker Fair Bay Area and did a bunch of cool interviews and all sorts of neat stuff. Here is a little bit of a highlight. Uh, take it away, Aaron. Hi, I'm Aaron Sweetwing, and I am here at Bay Area Maker Fair 2023. 
uh, ready to take a look around and see what people are making this year. Okay, and then a uh, big reminder, we have, um, I think one of the best Internet of Things newsletters. Um, it's really hard to get a newsletter now because once you sign up for one, you get spam, they sell your information, all of it's filled with ads. So we have an ad-free, spam-free Internet of Things newsletter. I think it's one of the best ones out there. You can get it through Adafruit Daily. A little bit of a reminder, we, um, we're trying to get more subscribers, not because uh, we need to, um, but we think it's a good resource for folks to try it out. You can subscribe anytime. You can look at it on our website if you want to look at the latest one. Um, you can check it out. This is, uh, we also post it online if you don't want to do it. But if you want to get it delivered to your inbox, spam free. It's all the IoT projects you can actually build, use. There's things from Adafruit. There's things from um, other IoT entities. I think much like AI, um, it's, you know, IoT is, is buzzwordy. And it's hard to find the good stuff um, and it's hard to find exactly what you can build, especially if you're someone who likes to build things. It's not just like, here's something you can buy that like hooks up into the cloud. Um, so check it out. And um, Brent is one of the authors. It's fantastic. Um, if you're not aware of it, just go to Adafruit Daily and sign up for Adafruit's Internet of Things monthly. Okay, let's do some Python on hardware later, Nina. Yes. Blinka, blinka, blinka. Blinka, blinka, blinka. Okay, um, big ish news. Um, we are approaching CircuitPython 9. And with CircuitPython 9, that means a bunch of new features and more. Um, what things can people look forward to in CircuitPython 9? Okay, what, there's actually a lot of stuff that's in Python 9. So it's been cooking, it's been simmering on the stove for a while. Big updates are we've merged. Uh, MicroPython 119, 120, and 121 in. So a lot of core library changes, including the MPY format has changed, I think even twice. So, um, you know, we're going to, um, you're going to see some language improvements, which is great. Uh, and Scott's also working on some, you know, memory improvements in 9. But uh, you definitely will have to, you know, if you're upgrading to 9, you're going to have to update all your library files as well. I think we just updated the bundle to create MPYs for 9. Um, you know, you can see the list here, some other stuff. We've got like, more USB host support, um, some tweaks to um, uh, I squared C peripheral, now I squared C target. 
Um, you know, one thing I chat about Scott is that we removed stuff like display IO show, which I think was going to break a bunch of codes. So we now, oh, that, was, that was a question in the chat. Why was it removed? I actually ask Scott, there's reasons. I don't, I don't know the API reasons for it, but there is, must be, there must be good reasons because Scott doesn't make breaks unless, uh, it really improves something. Um, but now it gives you a warning. So, you know, it, it doesn't, um, fully remove it, but it will tell you that it's about to be removed, which is kind of nice because otherwise you'll, you'll, or sorry, if you, if it's removed, it'll tell you how to change your code to fix it. It's a, it's a very simple fix. Um, and, uh, I'm trying to think what else, um, idea five for ESP support has been updated. And I think that's actually improved a lot of, um, Wi-Fi and display stability for the Espressif line as well. Okay. And then um, the other thing that we were going to talk about this week is CircuitPython Blinkit Python compatibility layer now supports Res yes. 5.5. Yes, Melissa, who uh, is manages the Blinka CircuitPython layer, which lets you people use CircuitPython libraries and the API on Raspberry Pi computers. Um, a perfect example of why it was such a good idea that we had this compatibility layer because uh, stuff changed and broke. Um, when the Raspberry Pi 5 came out, our Pi GPIO no, no longer works on the Raspberry Pi, and that was what we were using as the underlying layer. Uh, Melissa has updated to use now uh, libgpiod, uh, much like other single board computers. It's nice and fast. She wrote a playground note about how it's like you know nice and speedy uh, for bit banging, which is great. Um, it you now goes to the RP1 chip, and um, so far so good. You know, if, if folks have issues um you know with installing blinka or using our circuit path on libraries let us know seems like i squared c and gpio and spi support has has is pretty much all working um and then hopefully as we learn more about the rp1 chip um i believe there's pwm support there's native pio slash neopixel there's maybe analog input support um we will add that to blinka as well right so that'll be really nice all the apis that we already have had that people are using for microcontrollers we'll be able to add even more of them to the raspberry yeah. pi and um in case you're wondering what we're all about if you go to circuitpython.org um circuitpython is kind of our sponsored project we have our team that does it um we're funding it to have like the best experience we also uh, help fund micropython um, CircuitPython is like the educational fork that works with lots of boards. We now have 448 boards. So right now, the 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 most of the boards are non-Adafruit. Yeah, if you do flip filters yeah. and you click on Adafruit, which is like right over there, click yeah. on that, make it, then you can press the X. Yeah. So we have almost 95. Yeah. So we have 100 and there's 448. So we're less than a quarter. Yeah. And, like 20, 20. and so that's important to us because we, we want to be clear about what we're doing. You know, we and do, the top boards here, they're not from Adafruit. Yeah. We do open source hardware and we publish all the designs and schematics and code and we want you to use it and do cool stuff. Just don't, you know, say you're Adafruit. That's it. Come up with a different name. And then for MicroPython, CircuitPython, uh, specifically our CircuitPython work, um, we want to make it easy for anyone to take a board and have CircuitPython on it. And we don't care if it's our hardware or not. So we, we want to see more boards out there. We can say things like that. We could use that as a like marketing thing, like open and it's great. It's free, but we also want to demonstrate it. And so what we do is we, we have this list of boards that CircuitPython runs on. And if you just look at which boards from which companies Adafruit is not the most, and it's important to us. It means other people are using it. So um, that was that was the goal, and it looks like it's still happening. Um, and so if you're doing 
hardware and you don't want to maintain firmware for your device forever and you just want it just just work um you can take a look at some of these boards and be like oh that's a cool board i can just have circuit python or i can make my own board spin up my own board and i always get all those updates no i don't have to. and also i was saying actually there's two boards that she's was trying to find images for and so it actually is 450 but like we don't have yeah we'll get there so we'll update it so there are adafruit products yeah. you know you can always buy some to support us but again like we this is one of the things we wanted to do for the world just like here's a very cool easy way to do python on hardware um built on MicroPython has all the cool things you can do with lots and lots of different hardware. One of the reasons that we made CircuitPython is so it runs on a variety of chips. And here it is. So that's our Python on hardware news this week. You can get this update for daily, deliver to your inbox every single week, spam free, tracking free. You don't even need to sign up. You can just go to Adafruit Daily and look at the link. That's right. It's also on GitHub. It's also a permanent webpage. We really want to make it easy to do stuff. The RSS, you said, you know, yes, RSS, RSS feed, feed. Yeah. 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 So we 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 do that and uh, Google Reader. Yeah. yeah, one of the things for folks who pay really close attention to stuff is we've been um, de-Googleifying a lot of our properties. You know, Google Analytics. Uh, when you have a website, you pretty much everyone just put Google Analytics on their website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And over the years, as we as we've developed our properties, we're like, how do we get out of this? Because we don't we don't make money on views. We don't make money on ads. We don't make money on mining your personal information or selling it or doing anything with it. So why don't we just remove it? So we've been going through the process of making sure, like there's things, if we want to make sure we know like what guide is most popular, there's things that analytics are good for, but we also don't want to have all that information because we don't use it. Why, why have all this information about what browser you have, what country you're coming from? Who cares? We don't care. We don't use it. So, um, that's also important to us for Adafruit Daily. Um, you don't need to sign up as a newsletter. We use MailChimp and they have their own, you know, tracking with URLs because people care about what's tracked. We don't. So you can also just get it as a standalone web page as well. We're kind of committed to this. And that's why I kind of mentioned it every week. Because um I I know I know folks are you just assume we're like the, the least we're like this we're CEU. We are as search engine unoptimized. Well, <laughs> I you know, and that's good because it's hard to even use web search now. I know. Google search doesn't even work. But um, I, I know the, the tendency is to just assume the worst and think that whatever you sign up for is you're just going to like put banners everywhere. You're going to get spammed forever. But we work really hard at this. And I, and I but I also know like because sometimes it's frustrating is, is people just like, well, I, I know you're just going to sell my information. It's like we don't do that. But I get it. I get it. It's like if you live in this world, what it's not a bad bet sometimes to assume that. So anyways. Um, we do open source hardware, speaking of, and the open source hardware that we do, uh, we publish files, we have a learn guide, and this week on the big board, Data is... I'll be honest, we actually don't have, I don't think we have any new guides this I'm week. I'm going to go right to Playground then. Yeah, you can go to Playground because this, I, this was a, this is a week of weeks. Detour, oh yeah, let's do detours. Oh, there are stock. Oh, okay. stock. Raspberry okay. Pies. Okay, yeah, thank we'll you come. folks. Thank you everybody. Sale is That's over. All um yeah well i'll get to the guides some some weeks you know lots of guides that yeah. okay this week i'll admit so here, i did not review the guides <laughs> that's fine playground um <laughs> yeah there's a lot so this, this is where the yeah. action is so if you go to playground you can click it on our website we also made a separate domain adafruit-playground.com um because we wanted to have it on a, a separate website look at all these products so one of the reasons that we we made this was if and this is not a dig on other websites that no it's not it's not a dig. When you sign up to post your projects on other websites, 
people who want to look at your projects then have to get an account. Maybe they don't want to. Um, there's ads, there's data mining, there's tracking. And so we decided, well, that's fine. There's a lot of incentives. Sometimes there's contest websites where if you post your project, but we thought we would take the Adafruit learning system authoring tool and make it so the community out there can publish their projects and do stuff. These pages look the same with or without ad blocking. Yeah. They might even look the same with or without JavaScript. <laughs> yeah, we're 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 definitely trying to make the web as the as good as it as it can. Um and so you don't have to do anything other than just uh make an account. Uh if you want to post, of course. Uh, but you don't need to have an account to read these. Uh we're not putting ads on this. There's nothing you need to do. Um, if you notice uh, this, uh, we um, we support do not track. So you can see here that this YouTube video um, doesn't doesn't play because we we comply with uh, do not track. Um, so it's important to us. And if you're going to put your stuff somewhere on the internet, um, this is a home for it. If you want to have a cool guide where you can document your projects and more, there's uh, gist gist that uh, can be pulled in from GitHub. Um, it has some of the bells and whistles from our learning system, and we keep a good eye on this to make sure all the content is safe, welcoming, and inclusive for everybody. That's Playground. Um, and then we also have a little premium playground. Okay, um, here is some Adafruit Factory footage. factory footage all right 3d printing we're going to play two videos back to back the first one is you know what happens the day after halloween it's time to talk about holiday projects <laughs> all the holiday decorations go up too so we're gonna uh, play a little bit of a recap and video for holiday projects and then we're gonna do a speed up see you on the other side
Okay, don't forget the code is channel. You can get free stuff. Um, these are all the things. Uh, while you're there, you may as well do two-factor authentication on your account um, because if we do another Raspberry Pi sale in the future, because we're all sold out now, but you just have it ready. Why not? Why not? And use the code while you're there. Why not? Okay, let's do some INFPI. Hi, INFPI. Uh, brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit this week. It is pick. Pick. Switching the smart way. What yes. is INFPI this week? Okay, this week. This is a new company we're featuring. Pick. Uh, it's a German company. And they make read relay switches and sensors and more. And we're going to be talking about their uh, uh, read sensor chains. Um, which I was like, what is that? Um, and when I actually got the board, I ordered one. And it's kind of a cool idea. And it's designed for liquid level sensing, but it could be used for other stuff as well. So the one cool thing I want to show off first is uh, they've got great graphics treatment. I mean, like, look at this amazing logo that they've got on the front of their catalog. Um, there's like a head and like a light bulb and inside is a read switch. Uh, so cool. But they also do Hall effect sensors and magnets and other magnetic sensors. So their main product is uh, read switches. So this is what a read switch looks like if you've never seen one. Um, it doesn't literally have a read in it, but the metal inside looks like a reed, you know, the kind that you'd have in a uh, um, like a woodwind instrument. It's a thin, flat sheet of metal and when you put a, a magnet nearby the two um, uh, reeds touch together and close the switch and it's encased in this glass um, bubble with the two metal contacts um, these are extremely common they're used in like everything um, for uh, you know detecting when something is touching something or a float sensor um, we have like these door switch sensors, you know, when they detect when a window or door is opened, um, those have a read sensor inside of a plastic casing for protection. So you have to watch out for the, the glass bubble. You don't want it to crack. Um, they have a very long lifetime. They're very inexpensive and they're very reliable. And you know, one of the nice things about them, which we'll talk later, is they can work at very high voltages and fairly high currents. Um, so fluid level sensing is a common engineering challenge um, for automation or industrial usage you have um you know a bucket or a, a vat of some fluid and you need to know when you're about to run out of fluid or when the fluid maybe gets too high and you have to vent it out or stop the process refill it um very very common so you, there's a couple different ways uh to do that um i'll just talk about a couple you know ways and why this read chain is different so one is using like one of these e-tapes uh sensors that you know we stock and for this sensor it's got um, like a conductive fluid in it and as the water in you know you put you put the sensor inside the fluid and as it rises it squeezes on the envelope and it changes the resistivity and you can measure that resistivity and it's you know continuous which is quite nice uh you can measure how high the fluid is whereas most float sensors just tell you like when it's hit a certain point or not like it's a very it's a single point sensor this is a continuous sensor but it has to be inside the vat and of course you know, the e-tapes have to come in a certain length if they don't come in the length you want you can't increase the size and you can't cut them down um, but most importantly it has to sit in the fluid another option is you can use like sonar sensors and you're bouncing um sound waves over it but then you know the 
you know, this is exposed to whatever the fluid is. It could be hard to sterilize. Uh, it could get really dirty because it could, you know, it could possibly come in contact with splashes of fluid. Um, and so, you know, sonar is used for a lot of things, but maybe that's also not, you know, a, a perfect usage. Also, it, there's a cone and, you know, you have to make sure that the cone of the sonar doesn't hit the side of the vat. Another one is a time of flight sensor that's, um, also, you know, fairly common. Um, a more recent type um, doesn't have as much depth. Um, you know, I think these go up to like maybe four meters. Maybe that's long enough. You have to have the light um, be visible. They can be a little bit flaky. Reflections, you know, and um, light dispersal on the liquid can affect it. And if the material is caustic, you have to protect this. And it's, you know, there's you have to get the I squared C data out, and it's a little bit more complicated. Um, and so having level sensors using uh, read switches is like an ancient. It's it's reliable and it's known and it's well understood. You have you know you see in the center there a single read and then the magnet is um, goes around it and everything can be coated in whatever material you want. It can be totally hermetically sealed because the you know as long as it's not metal, um, the magnet magnetic field can reach through um, the plastic material. So this is like you know from a video that they have of a single read that just it's a, again a single point it just tells you is the water above or below and you know this cup of water as it fills in um the magnet rises or or lowers and as it gets close to the center of the read switch it closes and then you just detect um, the closure of uh, the read switch when you have a single read though you don't know whether the you know, you don't know what the level is. You just know whether it hit a certain point. So it could be above or below, which is a little bit risky. If you happen to somehow miss the, um, as it rises or lowers, you won't get another notification. You know, like the switches either closes or opens, uh, sorry, only closes when that magnet is right next to it. Uh, so to solve this, and also if you want to have continuous measurement, they're like, well, why have one read when you can have multiple? So this is a read chain. Uh, and that's the board that we're talking about. And basically, it's dozens of these read switches side by side, diagonal, so it's nice and slim. And each one connects, you can kind of see at the bottom, I'll show them the overhead um, in a bit. There is a 1K resistor. And as each one closes, it's going to short the chain against that resistor. So if the water's at the very bottom, you're going to read zero ohms. If it's the next, you know, the first read is open, and the second one is closed, you'll get 1K all the way up to N times 1K resistors. You read that resistance and now you know exactly where the float value is and you know um, the height of the liquid. Um, and here's just a diagram showing there's a, you know, there's a few different variations of this. One, I think it's slightly different spacing. Um, so depending on, you know, you're gonna pay a little bit more for more densely spaced because you need more read relays. Uh, read switches. Um, and then another nice thing about these is you can extend them, which I thought was kind of a cool hack. Uh, so if you go to the overhead, I'll show this off because this is, I think, good a good visual demo. Okay. Okay. So um, the way this PCB is made is it's like a thick PCB. It's like a two millimeter thick PCB. And you can see here it's grooved out a little bit. It's machined out so that all of these um, can, uh, let's see, I'll oh, focus on Zoom in. Zoom, 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 zoom. Okay. So you see each uh, read is here and they're all connected to one common, you know, ground or high voltage, whatever. And then they're each individually connected to this chain of resistors. So it becomes like an R and R ladder, right? It's like as, you know, as the shorts, you can determine 
um, between the two contacts with the resistance is. And then if you want, and then there's like one extra resistance, I guess. So it's not, if you, if it's uh, at the very bottom, you'll read 1K, not zero because there's one extra resistor. You can, um, these are symmetric. And so you can, you know, chain them literally even more. You can have another one on the other end here and you just solder mechanically and you maybe glue it. Um, and then you can have, you know, as long as you want, this one is like, you know, about a, a foot. Um, you want 10 feet, you get 10 of these, you solder them together and now it's 10 feet long and you just, now you're measuring between, you know, this is maybe, um, you know, 50 resistors, this is up to zero to 50K. And then if you have 10 of them, now it's 500K, all within reason uh, to be able to measure with um, an op amp or resistor divider. Okay, so a constant current source. Uh, yeah, so go there. Okay, sorry, that's the mechanical variations. And then this is how you can combine them. We just talked about that. You can extend them. So one of the nice things about, you know, th there's a lot of different ways to read, you know, a tank, water tank levels. But one of the things that's kind of nice about this is, you know, you don't need any software. You don't need any special, you know, so um, firmware configuration microcontroller. It's a raw resistance in. Um, and because it's not powered externally, it's just a switch. And, you know, the magnet is the, is the thing that closes the switch. You can pass very fairly high voltages through and you can pass, you know, some reasonable amount of current as well. So you could use this like other than the resistor um, that's involved. You can use this with higher voltages if you desire. You don't have to use three to five volts. If you want to power this from, you know, 48 volts or 24 volts, you don't have to worry about doing any conversion. Um, and then you can use an op amp to just like, you know, get the voltage out and the resistance out and convert that to any, any voltage you desire. So depending on your con control circuitry, you may not need to have a microcontroller. You can have a fully solid state feedback loop. Um, so I thought that was kind of neat. And I'm sure there's a lot of situations where this might come in handy. Um, you'll also need, of course, the float. They do sell magnetic floats that, um, are covered in polypropylene and a couple other materials. Um, you know, one thing that they definitely say is if you have food safe or, you know, caustic materials, this is going to work great. You don't have to worry about caustic gases. You don't have to worry about, um, the difficulty of, um, sterilizing, um, your sensors because, um, it can be sterilized along with the, you know, the stainless steel or plastic vat that you're using. Um, because again, it's fully mechanically and electrically isolated from everything. Um, they also have a couple other thing, you know, you know, while I was looking around, um, they sell SMT relays, which I thought was, uh, reads, I keep saying relay because I'm used to saying read relay there. They sell, um, SMT read switches, uh, that are stocked at DigiKey. And they also have a kind of a cool little, like, um, interactive cool. read switch demo where you can like drag it around and you can like try different types and, uh, you like latching to type and shielded types and like there's a little magnet you can drag around and you can uh, determine how um the the read simulate you simulate the read switch on how it'll act so that is kind of neat as well all right available on digikey and you know in this post uh uh part shortage world uh when we show things the screen so i can't show you they're, yeah they're usually in stock they're not. it's in stock so check it out a couple different configurations as well. I thought it was neat. Oh, and I wanted to mention one more thing. Um, it's designed, you know, it's designed for float leveling, but I thought another thing is I've had situations where I want to measure whether something has moved back and forth on a railing. And like you could, there's sensors you could use that are fairly complicated, but you just want to measure like, Hey, where is something on an X, Y, or like an X 
position, not just a Z position. Um, you The magnet could be the slider and you could detect where it is. A potentiometer would break. Um, you could use like uh, a, um, a belt driven system with a rotary encoder, but then you don't have absolute positioning. Um, this could give you absolute positioning in, in any orientation. It does not have to be just Z axis. Okay, and that is this week's IMPI. Okay, we're going to do new products. Um, don't forget the code is channel. And then after new products, we're going to do some questions and then we're going to play the interview at the end with Lady Ada and Eli. It's a interview in our you know, interviewing engineer series, which we're trying to get going again because it's really hard to get inside the caverns of these companies and interview the people that are actually working on this stuff. So let's kick off new products, then we'll do questions, and then we'll do the interview. Here we okay. go. Okay, this is coming soon. Coming soon, the new version of the S3 box. Uh, a lot of people signed up and liked the S3 box from Espressif, uh, but they've revised it. I think they've improved it a lot, which is looking good. It's got a 2.4-inch screen, ESP32 S3, two microphones, accessories. Just got some photos from them. Uh, we'll get some in the next week or two, so sign up. Revisions. Revision. Um, so this LED backpack. Um, based on the HT16K33. We love it. Uh, it's great. We're doing revisions. While we were revising this, we also added STEM QT ports on it. So if you want to use this and you you know don't want to have to um, do any wiring, once you solder the LED matrix on the front, you just plug and play. Uh, you can chain these together and set the address and have a bunch of them all together in a chain. All right, next up. Uh, we also have a revision of the GPIO bonnet. Oh boy, we could not get the Max MCP twenty three oh one seven for a while on the QFN. I revised to use the TSOP because I could get the TSOP. Um, maybe now I can get the QFN, but at the time the TSOP was only available. And while I was there, I also made it so it's fully assembled. Um, so the two by eight GPIO IDC ports now come fully assembled on, as well as the. Um, the 2 by 20 header that goes into the pie, and I put a stomach QT port. So it got like a pretty good scrubbing down. Some revisions, I'll be honest, we've done almost 500 revisions now. Um, a lot of them, you know, we just update the silk screen and you don't know, I've changed a couple parts here and there um, because a transistor or voltage regulator was unavailable. But this one is a pretty big revision. Okay, and then these are nearly identical looking cables, but uh, we got them. They're so identical looking, but they're not. They are the half meter long, display and camera cables for the Raspberry Pi 5. Um, if you want to use the um, Raspberry Pi display, the official display, you'll need one of these cables. If you want to use any of the Raspberry Pi cameras, uh, this will convert it from the new Pi 5 22 pin to the old style 15 pin connector. Okay, and then start of the show besides you, Lady Ada, our community, our customers, our team, and everybody who makes this thing go, and everyone go, go, who's go, trying go, go. to build a better world together is? Oh, the ADS7830. Um, this is a fun little ADC. Uh, we've had people ask, hey, you know, I want to add a lot of analog inputs to a, you know, a chip or microcontroller or a Raspberry Pi. Uh, and I like the ADS7830 
10, 15 series, but they're a little pricey and they're a little pricey. Um, this is much less expensive. It's about half the price and it has twice as many channels. It's not as precise. It's an eight bit, not a 10 or 12 or 16 bit ADC. So it's not for like precision measurements of like a thermistor or, um, you know, like a microphone or whatever, something where you need, uh, you know, 10, 12 or more bits of accuracy or precision. What it is good for is potentiometers or a flex sensor. You know, if you're cool with only having 0.5% uh, precision, then 8 bits is plenty. And I think for a lot of purposes it is, especially since it's going to be, again, lower cost and you get eight full channels. So um, we put this on a breakout board. You can uh, use it with I2C. We've got Arduino library, CircuitPython, and Python coming shortly. You can change the address. You can have um, up to... Uh, four of these on one single I squared C bus for 32 total channels. Um, it runs from 2.5, you know, whatever, three volts to five volt logic and uh, power. You can, by default, uses the power as the, the reference. If not, you can, of course, have an external reference. It just be smaller than the, um, the power, I think, but I'm actually not sure. I've checked the data sheet for that. Um, but not a lot going on the on the this breakout board. So check the data sheet for the ADS7830. It can do up to 70 kilo samples per second. Um, over I squared C, and we just kind of rigged it up so that you can quickly get it going uh, on your microcontroller that needs more analog inputs. All right. New, 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 Okay. Like I said, we're going to do some questions real fast, then we're going to play this interview. So uh, let's just jump right to the questions. I have a couple lined up. You can... Okay. I'll speed around them. Yeah, that's fine. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So questions that came up. I think this was during the uh INMPI. It was a P or N channel. Maybe that was was this question related to that? Uh I don't know. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I talked about a MOSFET, so I don't I don't know what it was regarding. Um, was thinking of a pressure plate that if stepped on shoots little balls in the air, um, with a rocket launcher by Nerf, easy to build. Yeah. There's lots of projects online. Yeah. I would, I would use, you know, one of the things is that what I learned in school is you can make a pressure plate really easily by taking tin, tin foil, foil and then foam and then yeah. foam and then you cut holes in the foam. So that's like a Swiss cheese. And, and when you step on it, it turns into a switch. Yeah. And you could use that to do musical instrument stuff where people can step yeah. on it. And, and they just put a carpet over it to protect it. And yeah. then, you know, two pieces of cardboard. And like, we made so many projects that were just like, if you step on the thing, like something, yeah, something happens. happens. Yeah. Um, good on stairs. Uh, strain gauges could possibly work too. Um, this is from Heather in Discord. I'm planning on, oh no, the joke was on the the, the discount code P or N channel. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Let's see, it would be. Uh, what? Let's see, what, would it be N channel for the discount code? Because it's channel. I'd say P because it's pretty good. I don't know. Um, so, <laughs> and, uh, and for new product. And for new product. Yeah, both. Um, Heather writes in, I'm planning on using my new Raspberry Pi 5 on a mobile project since the Pi 5 uses PD. Any ideas of the best way to get power? It may be. Um, my use case includes several peripherals, so we'll need to have as much power as possible. I think that there, you know, it's even though it's PD, you can still use any five volt power supply, and it will work. It just needs to be able to supply as much current as you need. I get one of those like power packs that's just designed to charge a tablet, like a really chunky one that can give you three amps, and I think you'll be fine. Okay, 
Does the Pi 5 need an active cooler? It does not need an active cooler. Um, if you are running it really hard, you're doing like, you know, OpenCV or like, you know, running a web browser and a lot of tabs open or whatever, playing videos and it starts to overheat. Uh, when it gets to a certain limit, it will automatically throttle down the CPU speed. And that's true of actually every computer. Like it isn't like the old days where you could actually like damage your computer by overheating it. Um, it will automatically clock down on the CPU. So it will never get damaged. However, you'll just lose performance. Okay, um, here's a question. Can I use CircuitPython tutorials for the ESP32 S2 TFT Feather with the reverse version? Yeah, go for it. Easy. Easy. Okay. Um, you know, for a couple of folks that tuned in uh, later into, the, oh, wait, here, I'll do this question before I, I've been uh, been able to use the Adafruit, Arduino Adafruit IO library in a while. I see the merger of Wi-Fi and Adafruit IO. Can you provide a little background on the decision to make the merge? I don't actually know that we are merging. I mean, if you're having any issue, um, you know, post a issue on GitHub and we'll take a look at it. I know that uh, Brent has been reviewing the guides and updating them, but I think the Adafruit IO library should be working just fine. Yeah. It does use a lot more Wi-Fi because um, people are just using more Wi-Fi than Ethernet. Yeah, they're not talking about any of the certificate stuff, right? Because there was that change. No, that's I think, I think that's that just a it. library. Yeah. Okay. Uh, looks like we got to most of all the questions. Okay. I'll um I saw in some of the other chats. So some folks got to the uh show later they weren't watching live and then later on or even if they were watching it live by the time they realized we were selling pies they weren't able to set up their account and do some of the time um there's only a limited number sorry however yeah. here's what i'll say um if you're gonna get a raspberry pi there's sites to do pre-orders unclear when the next round is going to come in but i think we're going to keep doing this we might do a um live thing on a sunday night when we do Desk of Lady Ada, where we put some pies in, we just have to check with our team. Um, we want to make sure we don't overload the shipping team if, if we do that. Yeah. There is also um, show and tell at the end. We'll tell, we'll give folks a heads up. And then there's also Ask an Engineer. I think we're going to keep doing this this way because... We were to mention the discount code doesn't work on The discount code also... Yeah. That's the only thing the discount code won't work on, too. Yes. Yeah. That's something I got to mention. So... I know sometimes it's a little tough when you're, you know, you get to it late and you're like, oh man, I missed out, but. But there'll be more. We did it last week, this week. Yeah, we're trying yeah, to. We, we have no more pies, by the way. That's it. Like, yeah, that's what we have. We're trying our best. We're not holding back. To figure out, you know, something because there's a limited number. And, you know, we see social media. People are upset that they're doing pre-orders and they're not going to get them for a really long time. So. We get curious this to get. Is, this, is a, this is a way to try to do it. Um, and we'll just keep y'all informed and giving y'all the information as we have it. Um, that's it for Ask an Engineer, the, the show that's live. We have a pre-recorded interview that we do. Like I said, we're trying to get more um, engineers from companies who do stuff. We we happen to have made a board. And this guy was super cool. With uh, NXP and DigiKey. This is Eli. So we're going to do the um, interview. Um, I'll come back and press the stop broadcasting button <laughs> after this. Um, but uh, check out the interview. We'll see everybody next week on Ask an Engineer. You know, I'll put the senior thing at the very end, but uh, take it away past Lady Ada and Eli from NXP. Thanks, everybody. Okay. All right. Hey, everybody. It's me, Lady Ada. Uh, we're doing this fun recording with Eli from NXP, special guest here. Um, one of the...
things that we got to do this year. We started this in 2020. It was like, wow, as soon as like we get back from Christmas break, we're going to totally do this project, uh, which was to do a Metro M7 with NXP and DigiKey um, because the IMX RT chipset is one that I think is really cool, extremely fast uh, chips and um, easy to use. It's like a Cortex M7, it's got some great peripherals. And so finally, uh, chip shortage ended, could get parts. We're no longer in a pandemic, I hear. Uh, and so we were able to get the board out and we did this really cool thing with DigiKey and NXP. We gave away hundreds of these boards to people who ordered from the Adafruit shop. Uh, we also ported CircuitPython over to this chip um, and also some example code using MCU Expresso. So that's just the intro. So, you know, we wanted to uh, celebrate, you know, not finish, but like top off the celebration of being able to get parts again and being able to build hardware again um, by having an NXP engineer and, and marketing and content genius, Eli, come by and we're gonna just talk to him about NXP and IMXRT and stuff you can do with board. If you got one of these free boards, what are some of the fun things you can do? So that's my long intro. Eli, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so I'm Eli. Um, you know, welcome to like the secret sanctum where all this NXP stuff happens. Um, so yeah, um, I've been kind of a microcontroller addict as long as I can remember because I started really young uh, learning on the Apple II. Um, well, it was interesting because I, I, I was in a really small school district. We had Apple II in middle school, but we didn't have anything else. So I kind of Hey, there we go. Um, with music, and you can kind of probably see a lot of music gear and guitars. Um, but then when I went to college for electronics, I got really into electronics and audio and DSP, and it led to me going to graduate school in uh, Penn State for acoustics, uh, so science of sound. And that led me down a path of underwater acoustics and all this fun stuff with FPGAs, microcontrollers, DSPs, and uh well you found a good you got a good gig to be at like nxp is like the perfect place if you're you like you want to do audio and music and electronics well so it's i look at everything from the lens of like all these new parts come out and there's always a real audio or acoustics bend to what i do but i'm like there's there's more parts than i have time to like play with but it's it's really cool that i can see what's coming down the pipeline and like you know know what's coming and be able to play with things and you know, kind of uh, imagine new things. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, um, you know, we're going to be, I have some questions that I, I got up ahead of time, but, you know, if you want, we can kind of veer in different directions. Um, but I do want to get people to, you know, be aware because I think for the last few years, um, you know, there's been pent up demand for new parts. It's been hard to get some parts, and uh, also companies have been releasing new stuff. And um, the, the IMX, RT crossover series from NXP is actually still in like kind of active development. There's new chips coming out constantly mm -hmm. in this line. Uh, and so here's some of the questions that people have asked me. And so I thought like, I would get it from the horse's mouth. But, yeah, the horse. So what is a crossover processor? Like what's, uh, is it a microcontroller? Is it a pro, like what is it? What, what does that mean? Uh, well, well, let me, let, let me, I'm going to give you the answer that okay. ZZ Top gave in an interview to Guitar Magazine a long time ago. They said, so are you a blues band or a rock band? And they said, okay. yes. Ooh, okay. So, um, now, so it is a microcontroller, but it's a little, it's different in the sense that like, um, there's a lot of problems that you need some, some more oomph 
to, to, to do. And certainly my controllers, there's a lot now. And even now I kind of laugh when I see someone say, well, that's a 64 megahertz controller. That's slow. I'm like, oh my God, like it's, but there's a lot of projects that you might go to an applications processor in Linux, but boy, it'd be nice if you didn't have to deal with some of the complexity that you can get a, a processor that's fast enough that can do all these things, but still be easy to design with like a microcontroller. And so yeah. the crossover is in that space that it's you can do really cool application level things with graphics and audio and all this stuff, but still be a microcontroller because it's easy to design. You can run bare metal, RTOS. Um, and then you can also kind of get edge into that applications processor space with a lot of flash and memory. One of the big things on this part, there is no flash in the chip, it's external. So you yeah. have a lot of flexibility. So for me, it's beautiful because I'm a microcontroller person. Like I love seeing it push in that space. And it's even now the 1170 is in the gigahertz range. It's gone like ludicrous mode. So yeah, uh, uh, will run really fast. It's plaid. It's plaid. Um, yeah, okay. Exactly. So this is, you know, one thing that is um, interesting about this series is it's, uh, you know, Cortex M7. Uh, and a lot of people haven't played with M7s. Um, you know, the, the famous series of the STM F7, H7, you know, mm -hmm. they're, they're kind of expensive and they're hard to get. Um, and so this is kind of interesting. It's like a $2 M7, which is like kind of interesting. It's mm -hmm. like, wow, it's, you know, 8-bit pricing, but it's it's got 7. 7 is bigger than 4. And 4 <laughs> is bigger than 0. So what what are the benefits of going to an M7 processor? Like, can you be like what, you know, anything about that that core itself that is beneficial to people? Yeah. So um, here's, the good news is, is everything you know about, say, the M4 directly applies because the instruction set's actually the same. They're, yeah, they superset. It's just you get to get more. So um, what, are, what well, are you getting actually, more? Well, you, what you're getting more of, there's actually the way it's implemented, um, it's more deeply pipelined. So it's actually more efficient with some of the same instructions. Um, mm -hmm. That's number one. You'll just get a benefit. The other big architectural change is the way kind of RAM is organized around the chip. So it has this concept of uh, TCM, tightly coupled memory. So mm -hmm. the ITCM, has this really wide 128-bit interface. So if you're running out of RAM, it's fast because it's pulling in a lot of instructions. And it has the yeah. same for data where it's has a really wide 64-bit data path. Um, so just with, you can actually run the same binary uh, from an M4 on an M7. Or link just, in a library that, you know, if you have oh, yeah, a lot of libraries, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll asterisk that as long, you know, there, you know there's always some, some caveats, but the instruction set's fundamentally the same, but it will run faster at the same clock speed simply mm. because of that, that, that memory. And there's and a lot of- few, right? I think the M7, like the M4s don't always have a floating point, but I think the M7s always do, right? Yeah, so in there's also an option for a double precision floating point if you want to do that. Um, there is an M, uh, memory protection unit um, option on the M7s. Hmm. Um, the other things get added, for example, that's really important on these external flash is um, a cache controller, right? Hmm. So um, if you're running from like QSPY flash, you can get be really fast because there's a instruction cache. So, but you yeah. can cache other things too. It's not just you know that flash. So. Yeah, so, so so that leads into a question, uh, you know, be, because, you know, we designed this chip and it's got, I think, 128K. They, so we designed it with the, the, the entry level um, sure. IMX RT1011, um, and we put on eight megabytes of QSPY flash. But we did have some people ask us, hey, you know, 128K, 
it's a lot of RAM, but I want lots of RAM. You want a lot of how do you, how you know maybe not on this chip i don't know if this chip has a ram controller but do other chips have a ram controller and how would you add more memory there um the good news i'll have to look at the 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 variant of that part so that flex spy controller that the flash is connected to it can just as easily do ps ram so oh for, ps ram is inexpensive and yeah. there's octal ps ram now that's used oh that yeah and that's online. what the higher end um even this one the it, it might not be pinned out but the flex spy can do octal and a good reference actually is like the Teensy 4.0. Um, they have an example of PS RAM on like FlexBuy 2. Now this part doesn't have as many FlexBuy controllers, but I think even if there's one, you can still get it. So okay. that, that's the easy way. Now there is a traditional RAM inter like a like a bus interface on the parts that have the pins, so you can run like a 32-bit wide or 16-bit wide RAM. But the PS RAM is definitely a low-hanging fruit, and it gets run through the cache controller, so okay. like it can be super fast. All right, so now we're going to do um, some speed rounds so we can get to your demo. So, do these chips support high-speed USB? So many people have full-speed USB, but they want high-speed. Can can we get that? Oh yeah, so that's uh, baked in. So okay. um, you know the IP. Yes. What, what's <laughs> interesting is directly, and it's probably it's important to me in the open source community to mention that. Uh, Tiny USB and tiny UF2, 100% support across the RT family. So yeah. all, uh, and actually, it's super secret with a, the new MCX line. I've already, it's already coming that at launch, tiny USB and tiny UF2 will be available. No, no, request. no we love that. Uh, so uh, that was the goal of doing the tiny USB. Um, okay, so, and then two, two more quick questions, and I do want to get, I want to get to your your demo as well. Um, so you mentioned there's a memory protection unit. Can can these chips run Linux? I mean, this is like a 500, 700 megahertz. Like, oh yeah, you you certainly could. Um, I I am though on. I say if you're going to run Linux, go to a processor that can really run Linux. But okay. at this speed, I think an RTOS makes a hundred percent sense whether it be free what, what are some of your favorite r tosses what do you think we um, need number like? one i'm a I'll, I'll admit this uh i'm a huge zephyr fanboy okay. i write for the linux foundation okay uh, nxp supports zephyr they have developers on zephyr so um for this part it's the it's pretty much the ideal use case for zephyr because there's a lot of high level things you can do so you can almost get a linux like experience yeah. But it's still an RTOS. You can still directly hit registers and do all that kind of stuff. People um, love people love Zephyr. Okay, cool. Well, you know, we sent you or you you got one of these Metro M7 boards. Yeah, I got right here on the bench. Okay, uh, and then you said you want to show a demo, so I was going to share your screen and maybe you could. Yeah. Well, you, let me switch okay. just so I can switch to my. Uh, I'll call it Frank View. Okay. Because there, there, there's Frank. I'll, I'll hide so. myself. There we go. We say hello to Frank. So he's a Franken. This is the Frankenstein, you know, plywood platform. So I have the uh, Metro M7 um, connected to. Now I I load an application today. No, it was Zephyr, um, and uh, I used the SWD interface that's on the Metro M7. And this is a NXP uh, MCU Link Pro. It's like a fifty dollar debugger that it can look like a J Link or Simpsons DAP. Has like USB to UART and some other like USB to like spy kind of things. Um, so yeah, so I kind of hooked this up and got like a little Zephyr demo running today on the uh, M7. Okay, that's super cool. So I have to add myself back. So let's go to your um, your computer and then you can maybe tell us about the demo you're running. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's add that. 
Okay, I see I see a logo and it says Metro M7. Yeah, so what you, yeah, what you're looking at, I just have like a, a putty instance and I got it the shell. So Zephyr comes with this beautiful shell like out of the box. Uh, so you you get like commands. So I can it actually has like kernel commands like you know, kernel, you know, threads. I can see all the threads that are running. And this just is like almost out of the box. Like there's an I2C shell, so you can do something like I2C scan. I don't have anything hooked up, but um, you know, it's kind of like this Linuxy thing. But this is still a microcontroller and still, you know, a lot closer to the metal. So, uh, that's so did you did you do a board definition for the Metro M7 that people could check out? Um, actually, I didn't have to. So when you guys designed this, you you picked I/O that aligned really closely with the um, the EVK from NXP. So the serial, all that stuff, I actually had to change nothing. I just used the EVK board definition. Um, and so that's usually where I start. And then you can add like overlays if you want to do small changes. Um, and I actually wrote an article for the the, the Zephyr Foundation on, um, or I'm sorry, Linux Foundation on how do you start from scratch and do your own board? And I did it for, a, I actually did it for an IDNMX RT uh, 685. Um, okay, well, send, send over that link and we'll post that, you know, people will probably want to follow along sorry, because I here's think. My, here's my favorite command for a demo okay. here's what I put in. The first okay. thing I do is put in cow command. So you get cow. Oh. So you can go, you know, red cow and you get a red one. So. Oh, that's nice. So, but, um, okay. Yeah, so I, yeah, I drew this together to show like Zephyr kind of does this stuff. There's almost very little code to do this. It just, you can add it in and then you can start laying on all your other stuff and runs great on a processor like, you know, you know the RT with like the M7. So That's neat. I like that there it's like, okay, you've got this RTOS running, but you can actually, it's like a, you have a shell in it, which is like you said, it's Linux-like, but without the, the weight of Linux. And I like that it's like you can do some scanning yeah. and, oh, look, you can like write memory directly from the shell. That's yeah. cool. I'll check it out. And um, I'm, there's, I'm doing another uh, uh, kind of blog and article in a few weeks that I'm marrying the NRF7002 with an RT board and to show the Wi-Fi. Okay. So Wi-Fi has a shell and it's really cool. You can do things like connect and do DNS and all that kind of stuff. And it's just baked in. Right? Okay, uh, Nordic will Nordic will love that too. Um a great a great combo. All right, cool. This is this is great. If you can um yeah, send us the links to the article and we'll post it. Right, we'll uh, do you want to flip back to, to your your face and I'll remove the end. Oh yeah, let me flip back. Let's go back. Yeah. Let me make sure I can run the machine here. <laughs> okay. Well, it's been 15 minutes. It went, it went like it's three seconds, but we've actually been chatting 15 minutes. Um, so I do want to tell people you can pick up one of these NXP IMX RT 1011 Metro M7s. DigiKey has them in stock, so get them DigiKey. Uh, they'll ship them to you much, much faster than we will. Uh, and check out Eli's articles because apparently if you want to know about Zephyr on uh, our Cortex ships, he's like the expert and he's got like a really, really cool workshop. Um, very jealous. Love the <laughs> skulls and keyboards and oscilloscopes all right any any uh you know other projects or hints stuff you want to tell people about the nxp or imx series um yeah so and actually some of the links one of the boards i i kind of show it a beginning the end of starting from board design meaning you have nothing yeah. all the way through brooding up zephyr on an rt part so okay um, so that's yeah. useful that's you know, useful. you know i did that specifically it, it's codenamed super monkey and it actually powers the guitar you see in the background, that's a V, I'm building V2 of the guitar around Super Monkey. And so um, the RT family actually sees a lot in like high-end audio and yes. USB audio just because it has the USB and it can crank through a lot of like- It's got audio. great I2S support. Definitely that was like very easy to add. 
Um, and we did a bunch of audio projects with the IMX as well because it can it can play um, eight WAV files concurrently, uh, no problem off of uh, the QSpy. So we did this cool audio um, sound effects board, and it's oh, yeah. all the effects on at once. But all right. Well, in the commercial world, yeah, I'll just it does find itself in those areas as well as I do know of a pyrotechnics application that is at places like Disney that have modules running on an RT. It's the 1020. It's not the yeah. A little bit, little. little bit thin, but, yes, but, we. Will, I want to do a version of the 1020, 1040. Uh, I would love a feather. So I love. Okay, no, I we have. Yeah, okay. uh, we get parts now. Well, it was a pleasure to hang out with you, and now um, I'm excited to design more with IMX RT parts. Uh, Grab, a, grab one of these metros, check out Zephyr, check out Eli's articles. Um, we hope to do more and more with NXP. Thanks to NXP for uh, and DigiKey for uh, promoting and supporting this work. It's great to try out other chips in the family. And thank you, Eli, for coming by. Yeah, it's great to be here, and we want to help as much as we can because, uh, yeah, I'm a huge Ada. I actually, I'm a huge Circuit Python advocate as well for prototyping. Yay. I do it a lot. Just before I write C code, I'll just say, I just want to see something work. And yeah. so that's. It's a huge advocate. Um, awesome. So. We're doing it. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, and thanks for watching. Bye, everybody.